0: This episode is brought to you by Ursa Minor Outfitters. Folks, I'm absolutely in love with my Loon mug. It's handmade, it's an absolute piece of art. Whether it's at the office or at the house, people keep asking to check it out. If you're not a Loon fan, they also have other beautiful mugs for wildlife fans of moose, bears, and eagles. They specialize in products highlighting the outdoors and local pride through quality design by local artists. They've even started expanding into items beyond mugs, like apparel, dog accessories, and soon candles and more. They also try to Partner and highlight other small businesses, and in some cases, forgo profits in lieu of charitable giving to help their community, such as the dog rescue. So check them out, UrsaMinorOutfitters.com, and enter promo code HikesMike's10 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. And for our four-legged hiking partners, they also have a portable silicone dog bowl and also a sweet over-the-collar dog bandana. Go check them out, UrsaMinorOutfitters.com, and don't forget to enter promo code HikesMike's10 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. Welcome, everyone, to the Hikes and Mikes podcast. I'm your host, Ivan, and together we'll embark on a weekly journey connecting with extraordinary hikers from all corners of the U.S. and beyond. As the cool and colorful embrace of fall envelops the northern hemisphere, we've had the privilege of conversing with remarkable individuals throughout this season. Their experiences and adventures will leave you yearning to hit the trails. And in today's episode, we're heading to the great state of Michigan to speak with our guest, Anthony, about his beautiful state in the Great Lakes region. You can follow Anthony on Instagram at Anthony in Parks. He shares with us some of the amazing outdoor opportunities in and around Michigan, from lakeshore hikes to beautiful fall colors and even sand dunes. Michigan is sure to have an outdoor opportunity for everyone. Anthony also shares with us about a unique water activity he's been able to participate in deep below Lake Michigan. Without further ado, let's jump into this episode with our guest, Anthony. Anthony. <laughs> Welcome everyone to the latest episode of the Hikes and Mikes podcast. My name is Ivan and we'll be talking to Anthony from Michigan today. I'm excited to talk to him about what it's like hiking in and around the Great Lakes, especially Michigan. Anthony, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. You know, we always like to start off by asking our guests how long they've been hiking
1: for and how they got started. Definitely. Thank you so much for having me on. I've been I've been following along, listening to some episodes and your Instagram channels for a little bit, and I'm excited to be here. So yeah, I've been hiking quite honestly my whole life. So uh, I grew up in a small town called Coldwater. So it's near the Indiana border, lots of trees, lots of trails, lots of lakes in the area. And so as a child, it was very formative for me to be outside. And so, you know, definitely one of those households where in the summertime, we weren't allowed to be on technology or in front of the TV, it was go outside, find your friends, find your neighbors, get out and get active. And I think that from a very young age, I was very fortunate and very privileged to be instilled with with that sense of a love of nature. And it's just carried with me through my whole life. And I had the chance to move to Louisiana for a couple years and hike and be outdoors down there. And the, the bayou is a lot different in the parks down and near Baton Rouge and Mississippi, and then up through Wisconsin. And now I'm back home in Michigan. So it's definitely something I love.
0: And how would you describe the hiking scene in and around your current neck of the woods?
1: So I currently live in West Michigan, and you have quite the mix over here. So you have some traditional what you might find just rocky path, wooden path, roots, things of that nature. There's a lot of trees. In the Midwest, for those listening, is a gigantic forest. But West Michigan's unique because we are on the edge of Lake Michigan. So we have a lot of sand dunes in the area. And so when you think about it, sometimes the mental image in your head and what you see on a postcard is the big sandy dune right there. And those exist. But the truth is that to keep those from eroding away, a lot of trees and forests are planted along them. So when you hike through, it's a lot softer. It's not as hard on your knees or your legs, but it is a lot of elevation changes up and down and up and down. And so very gorgeous, very beautiful because your hike can take you through a very nice wooded area. And the end of it, typically in my neck of the woods, takes you right to Lake Michigan. So you always have that very scenic view to wrap things up and turn around at. That's great. Yeah.
0: It's always good to finish by the water on a hike, um, especially on a hot summer day. I got to ask, with such diversity there in West Michigan, with the sand dunes, the lake
1: shore and the forest, what are some of your favorite hikes and trails
0: in and around West Michigan?
1: So there's, it's, it's interesting because of the nature of the trails that we have here, you get a lot of really cool topography changes as you go through. You can kind of walk through some of those classic Midwest ferries into tall pines and then find yourself on a sandy beach. So in West Michigan, you know, we have it's called Rosy Mound, which is a very classic. If you find yourself over here in kind of the Holland Grand Haven Saugatuck area, that's one of the icons of hiking in West Michigan. There's another one that I really enjoy called Riley Trails, and that's inland away from the lake. But again, I love it because of all the changes and where you can find yourself within a, a two mile loop or even a mile loop. So if you're going to visit, travel up the state, very popular over here, M22 will take you straight up to Sleeping Bear Dunes, and that'll take you into the Upper Peninsula. And if you find yourself in the UP, Pictured Rocks National Lakeshore is a must-see, and it's very big, so it's hard to miss it, and it encompasses quite a stretch up there along Lake Superior.
0: You know, one thing that I'm starting to learn, especially this year, is that not just Michigan, but Wisconsin, Minnesota, they are an underrated gem for fall hikes and fall colors how was or how is the the fall hiking season in your neck of the woods right now
1: well if you go on instagram everybody <laughs> I, I like instagram but i don't i don't have a drone so i think my my Profile can only take me so far, so I I watch everybody else's content. It's beautiful. I mean, it's really, really just gorgeous. I would say that fall hiking in the Great Lakes region. I mean, you could compare it to the Northeast. You could compare it out to Colorado. Really, just anywhere with a large tree canopy around it. We don't have quite the spooky theme that you get in the Northeast. You know, the Halloween is a much bigger element, which I really like. October is my second favorite month outside of July. But I mean, it's beautiful. The weather's pretty nice around here you know you kind of mild temperatures get through lots of gorgeous colors very picturesque so i actually did a training recently heading up to northern Michigan and then just driving along the highway even you you kind of get that dose of it so if if you're coming for fall colors i would say that mid-october is about the best time to visit usually early september to mid-october but you'd have to go all the way up to the upper peninsula to get their peak colors down in the lower peninsula we tend to peak a little bit later, but try to get here before November because the way the weather works, by the time November rolls around, it's nice. We get a big rain and then it's all gone. So that would be my advice for anybody coming, but it is on par with anything else you might see out there in the country.
0: Yeah, you know, the one thing I've noticed over the years and especially this year when they closed down the farm in the Northeast, you get the crowds in the Northeast and deservingly so because of just the vastness and the colors, but you can get the same thing in and around the Great Lakes region with hardly the same amount of crowds that you would in the Northeast.
1: Yeah, well, we're fortunate with that. I would say, you know, Michigan's kind of an interesting place because there's a lot of push for tourism, right? In pure Michigan, it's always existed, but we are getting a lot of good press you know, we have gorgeous amenities where both upper and lower peninsulas are surrounded by Great Lakes. And so just you're never fewer than six miles from a body of water in the state. If it's a river, a pond, a lake, a trail, or one of the Great Lakes is always nearby too. So we're seeing more visitors, definitely, especially in West Michigan, seeing a lot more out of state plates, which is fantastic. But we're seeing a lot of uh, new residents as well. So I work professionally in the parks and recreation industry. And so I say it's uh, parks and recreation at the intersection of personal is professional and has how I I view everything I do because I'm I'm an avid user of the spaces that I work in. And quite a few people from out of state are moving to West Michigan as well. And so a lot of them, if you ask, they'll say I visited and I wanted to stay and a job opened up. So that's really cool to see as well, too. But I would say we're not quite at the level of some of those other areas where they have to start closing things or, you know, having ticketing access or things of that nature. But an increase and tourism definitely but hopefully you know there's enough to go around for everybody that we never get that way because you're right we don't want to damage the natural landscape or cause any issue and you know leave no trace principles when you visit kind of thing right
0: definitely and we talked about this with the large amount of lakeshore that you guys have on both sides of your state what are some of your favorite lakeshore hikes
1: so again going back to Rosie mound Really, if you travel up the West Coast of Michigan, and for anybody listening that's on the East Coast, the the Lake here on side, I apologize. I haven't been over there as much, but just traveling up the West Coast of Michigan, you're going to get a lot of those classic sand dune hikes. And so you really can't go wrong by the time you start at the the Indiana State Dunes, and then work up the lake shore all the way up to Sleeping Bear and take yourself towards Mackinac Island and the bridge. But if you're looking for something that's a little bit different, that is still just as iconic... Uh, turnip rock is actually in the thumb of Michigan. So that is on the east side. And that's one that you have to kayak out to not a long kayak, but just a, a quick shore kayak to get there. And so that you will see on a lot of posters, you'll see on a lot of postcards, Instagram posts, it's probably one of the most iconic landmarks we have. So definitely come you can't go wrong with any small town along Lake Michigan, and you're going to get just sandy beaches and hiking trails, state owned, national owned, local owned, Sagatuck Grand Haven, Leland, all the way up there, Petoskey. But if you want to go a little bit further and visit Detroit along the way, check out Turnip Rock. If you want to get to the UP, check out the Pictured Rocks Lakeshore that's up there as well. And don't skip Mackinac Island on the way.
0: I was going to ask you about that. So here in Washington State, our smallest state park is a little island in Puget Sound that you have to kayak. That's the only way you can access the state park. And you mentioned the one that you have to kayak out to. Are there any other trails that require a kayak or a boat in order to access
1: that's a good question I'm sure there are I know that so Mackinac Island you have to take a ferry to so that would probably count some very gorgeous hiking around Mackinac Island I was actually just up there a few weeks ago Beaver Island is another one that you have to take a boat to Isle Royal I think you actually have to take a seaplane to to get into and that's a national park yeah, there's just so much. Honestly, it's it's when I lived in Louisiana, they called it a sportsman's paradise down there. And I could really see why. And when you think about the outdoor recreation industry, and especially on social media, a lot of times it's, it's out west, right? It's the national parks, it's the trails, it, it's a bunch of the stuff that's out there. And I think weather permitting, it is a little bit easier, because you can kind of year round hike when you head out in that direction. But if you're looking to, I mean, kayak, if you're looking to take a boat, if you're looking for any of those Things Michigan just has it. I'm not struggling because I think there's a lack of it. I'm more so struggling to think, I don't know off the top of my head, but it's one of those things you don't always know off the top of your head because a quick Google search will give you so many results. It's not information that you need to be able to just snap with, right? So in my neighborhood alone, to get to Grand Haven State Park, I could drive there. I right, get on the highway and drive 30, 40 minutes, depending. Or I could go right up to the river, plop my kayak in and take the Grand River Greenway all the way to that snake park. No kidding. Yeah. Right out. <laughs> Don't be right out in Lake Michigan. It's so cool. So it's everywhere around here.
0: Yeah, That's a great way to start the hike is by kayaking. in.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I would love to, you know, we've talked about maybe next year for the summer solstice, my partner and I doing that, you know, longest day of the year, just kayak straight out there and then camp camp overnight or something, so you're really fun. And
0: I know, you know, we've we've been talking about the lake and the lake shore, but inland Michigan must have some amazing hikes in and around the forested areas, right?
1: Yeah. So if you Again, I mean, lots of state parks. I mean, a fantastic state park system complemented by county parks, complemented by local parks. Just the opportunity everywhere to right out your back door. Even here, you know, where I live, we have a small little community park that follows a creek, right? You can follow the creek trail in my, in my neighborhood around Grand Rapids really isn't that big. And so it's one of those things where when I was growing up in cold water, it was just out there. Or you knew people that lived more out in the country owned a piece of land the state is just built for outdoor recreation i would say it is a premier state in that aspect and sometimes i believe that the reason that hasn't if you knew you knew If you're from here, you knew you're from kind of the Great Lakes region, you knew. But maybe if you weren't from around the rest of the country, it didn't make as much sense. But it's just the culture of Michigan, you know, kind of that Midwest, not to really brag a lot, you know, very much like a blue collar state. Honestly, a lot of industry, you know, for a Rust Belt state. So people were very proud of what they had. You know, keep your head down, do your job, go home, your family, your values, things of that nature. And so I think that for a long time, that's why you didn't quite always hear about people coming here or the the tourism industry needed the pure Michigan push to really get the word out. And so there's just so much of it because it's everywhere. And so, oh, there's a trail that runs through here, too. And you have to correct me. I, I always I always get my trails mixed up. North Country, that's what it is. The North Country Trail runs through Michigan. So it comes through, I think, Pennsylvania, New York State. I'm sure anybody that knows will in the comments will tell us we're wrong. But Pennsylvania, New York State must go through Ohio, up through Michigan, to the Upper Peninsula, Wisconsin. And I think it ends somewhere over in Minnesota, potentially. But then there's a national trail. Right there. And all along that trail, you've got state parks, local trails, everything that goes into it.
0: This year, especially, I have discovered what type of gem the Great Lakes region is when it comes Mm. to not just hiking, but outdoor activities in general from Minnesota to Wisconsin. You know, one place that keeps popping up in, in my feed and when I talk to people is the Ice Age Trail. Yeah, And in Michigan, you know, it's just hundreds and hundreds of miles of lakeshore, state parks, trails. And there's really not a bad place in that region. If you're looking for an outdoor experience, you'll definitely find it.
1: Yeah. Now and around Detroit they're building the Joe Lewis Greenway. So a lot of uh, a lot of major urban areas are starting to convert old railroads into trails around the city and seeing a lot of economic development pop up around those. I know Atlanta was in the process of working on a big one and Detroit's gonna have a really large one too, so more reason to revisit the Motor City or visit if you've never been there.
0: I wonder if that's connected to... So we have a similar trail system that's, I think they, they finally finished it. It's called the Cascades to Palouse Trail. And mm-hmm. it used to be an old railroad line that I think went all the way to Chicago. And I think that's the goal is to have each state complete that section of trail to possibly lead all the way to Chicago.
1: I could definitely see that. I know here we have another trail system on the southwest side that takes you from southwest Michigan. You could ride a bike, hike, run, walk down to chicago as well they're working on and then a trail system connecting grand rapids to lake michigan so grand rapids for those that don't know grand i lived in milwaukee in the same way that milwaukee was kind of a a smaller chicago in terms of what you think of like the elements that classic great lakes midwest city chicago milwaukee cleveland detroit grand rapids is a smaller milwaukee the only difference is that how all of those cities are on the great lakes Grand Rapids is set back in on the river. And then you have to travel to get out to the lakes. And so you have all the coastal resort towns out there. But interestingly, when I lived in Milwaukee, you're on Lake Michigan, but the accessibility to it is a lot different. You know, it's at the coastline there. The beaches are smaller. It's a lot rockier. The city takes up a lot of space on it. There's one beach. There is a lake. Lakeshore State Park is down there and another veterans park as well. But when you walk along the lake, it's seawall metal seawall so it doesn't really have access so you see it every day you kind of take it for granted it becomes part of the backdrop right in west michigan you know i feel so much more connected to lake michigan just because it's so much more accessible you know there's beaches everywhere there's state parks local parks municipal parks and there's you know i think there's a, a state law here that allows in some capacity like you can't fully privatize your beachfront so you can you know the citizens can walk and i think you know there's elements to that i don't know exactly but just, I feel a lot more connected and I'm like, wow, I'm actually out on the lake a lot more when I lived, you know, less than a mile from it previously, but the different, you know, there's a lot of houses there. You didn't really see it. So it's kind of yeah. cool. So if you're looking for a place to check out and you like those cities, Cleveland, Detroit, Chicago, Milwaukee, definitely check out Grand Rapids. It's a, it's a really cool spot. Thanks
0: for sharing that tip, Vanity.
1: Yeah, I know. I'm like, do I work for the tourism industry? <laughs> like, but I mean, I love it here. You know, like yeah. we're talking about hiking. It's just, it's a hiker's paradise, honestly. there's so much cool stuff here
0: now anthony we've been talking about the fall the fall colors but with fall that means winter's not too far behind what's the winter hiking scene like and is there any special precautions that you take um, when you do hit the trails
1: so snowshoes are big snowshoes are a big one usually around here costco walmart we have a place called meyer it's kind of a local walmart local target you know any kind of store like that you might want to go check it out and pick them up or in the city of grand rapids and a lot of places too they'll do rentals i think some even the state parks and local parks at their their warming houses have rentals but it's just a good general idea to take snowshoes with you we get a lot of what's called lake effect snow so it's really kind of wet heavy snow that falls and really piles up and it can snow for days here i mean i came home for the holidays a couple years ago and i was home for a week and every single day i was out there brushing you know an inch or two of snow off my car just goes and goes and goes but the nice thing is that we're equipped for it right we've been dealing with it for a long time so even that huge blizzard that we had last year that dropped more snow than some infamous 70s blizzard that shut the whole place down i mean you could get out and get to the store you, the roads are cleared so but in terms of hiking you know winter sports definitely dressing layers you know a good time to layer up with a good nice warm you know wool i really like wool synthetic is good too i like wool just because of how it breathes but dressing in layers obviously the the core principles of staying hydrated sunscreen because of the snow it does reflect you can get sunburns those sunglasses as well snowshoes if you don't have them there are paved trails or not paved but groomed trails i should say and then a lot of times like a lot of people are outdoors anyways so it, you'll get a lot of good snowpack. good pair of boots good pair of gloves in the midwest you either need your light jacket or your big jacket depending on what it looks like outside but yeah it's really just about i would say staying in Warm and making sure that you have the right if you take snowshoes if you need them stay hydrated but other than that it's kind of a lot of the classic things that you would go out just on a normal day hiking as well
0: and you know one of, one of my favorite things about doing this podcast is learning of not just the outdoors but of the people that have become synonymous with outdoors and learning about the history of the national parks about the park system and one thing that i learned from your feed Anthony, was that John Muir, who, you know, is synonymous with the national park system, was raised in Wisconsin and his childhood home throughout his teenage years is there in Wisconsin. And you got a chance to visit his childhood home. Can you share a little bit about that experience and if people want to visit what they could expect?
1: Yeah. So I I didn't know that when I moved there and I wound up learning that. And then I learned that it's actually a part of the Ice Age Trail runs through it, which is really cool. But his homestead is in kind of it's in rural Wisconsin. And so I think it's currently managed, actually, it's managed by one of the counties up there. So it's not even a a national park in and itself with how much he is tied to the history of the national parks. It's really cool to go see. So they have some information about him, information about his life, information about like how he got there. And you can walk around and it's it is all just natural. So the house itself isn't there, but they tell you where the location was on the land. But the, the big thing is that there's a trail that goes around the lake that was on the property. And to walk that trail in the same place that he walked, you know, and kind of experience the things that he would have experienced at the time and see and how it impacts you. And knowing that that is something that's so influential in the history of this individual who then had an impact on the history of our national parks. I think it's, it's really, really cool to see. It's really, it's just you kind of get the sense of why it was inspirational and formative towards them, and you can kind of feel that sense how it is in you. And I and I took my feelings from that day to apply to the work that I do and and the things that I take with me when I go hiking as well. So I don't necessarily want to use the word pilgrimage in any sense like that, but it's just it's an interesting way to see how somebody who has had such an impact and how nature and their body of nature they experience had an influence on them as well too. It's a little bit north of. Madison, I want to say. So if you were planning on visiting, you'd probably want to land somewhere in Madison and then head up to it. That would be the metro area to go check it out. And again, it's it's a county park. So it's it's off a county road. It's just out there because it was a farm. You know, it was a homestead. It was a very rural upbringing. And for anybody that's into podcasts, which I know that you are, but the Stuff You Should Know podcast has a good episode on him. And it kind of goes into all the things about his life, his life in Wisconsin, how was impactful towards him and how he transferred that into helping you know the founding of the national parks but then it also as individuals from a past era it dives into some of the things as well that maybe they had challenges with or that we would want to acknowledge in the ways that he was great here but he wasn't so great here so i don't really want to talk too much on that but that's a good resource for anybody that wants to learn more there too you know and obviously john Muir, influential the indigenous population in Wisconsin as well, too. So acknowledging that they also were in that land prior and on it, I should say. And obviously, their impact is felt when you visit that space also. And you can kind of see the history of everything with it there.
0: Yeah, definitely. If if people want to learn more about the, the individual that is John Muir, uh, check out that podcast and we can link it in the episode show notes for people to check out. And
1: definitely, definitely take a visit because it is cool to see and and Madison's not far. Madison's a really hip town. So if you're looking for a hip college town, a lot of cool stuff. I, You know, it's, it's worth a trip. You can make a long weekend out of it.
0: Now, you know, you've mentioned it already, Anthony, but another unique place that's found in Michigan is Sleeping Bear Dunes National Lakeshore, which, you know, it's not surprising. Maybe it's the algorithm, but. For like the last two weeks, I've seen that giant sand dune that people are hiking down or running down and how you should be prepared if you make it down to the lakeshore that it could take you two to three hours to climb back out of it. (laughs) How would you describe Sleeping Bear Dunes National Lakeshore? And what's been your experience
1: visiting those dunes? So I'll also add to that, that if you have to get rescued, it is a $3,000 fine. So, you know, it's, it's beautiful. Quite honestly, it's one of the, best views of Lake Michigan, I would say, in the state. And it's along M22, which is a historic highway with, again, a lot of historic resort areas, a lot of sand dunes, a lot of scenic overlooks that'll take you up Michigan's west coast. And it's it's probably the premier destination on that trip outside of the cities that you might visit. So the lakeshore itself, when you get there, you drive through. It's a very gorgeous high tree canopy, National Lakeshore, National Park, Wooded Drive, especially in the fall, beautiful time to go. You know, summer is gorgeous if you like it green and sunny. And then if you head through in the fall right now, I mean, I this kind of makes me want to jump in my car and head up because only like a few hours away, but you get there and then you get out and you walk up and it is just breathtaking views and you you know, I mentioned earlier about living in Milwaukee and taking for granted Lake Michigan when it is such a constant backdrop, that's just something you see every day. And so that's one of the things I love about the being on the West Coast of Michigan is that driving to the lake and having those sandy beaches and that beautiful blue water, you look out and you're just like, wow, we're in the Midwest. You know what I mean? Like, we're not I mean, it, it's a trend on social media. This isn't the Caribbean. This isn't, you know, the, the ocean or whatever. But for all intents and purposes, I mean, people when you say lake, you know, people might think small lake inland lake surrounded by whatever, but the really the Great Lakes are the size of it's it's a sea. It's just not salt water. So that's why it's called a lake. And Lake Superior, I mean, it's one of the largest, deepest bodies of fresh water. It's massive. You can't see across it. And so being at the top of Sleeping Bear Dunes, and you can see out and all the sand dunes, and you can see for miles, and it's glistening, and it's beautiful. And I've been there so many times, and they've got it really organized and worked out so that it's not too crowded when you're there even. You know, even at peak times, like it's so vast, and there's so much of it that every view is good. And so the dune itself is massive. And when you get to the top of it, you kind of take a look out, and then it's it's like kind of like being on like climbing a mountain. Honestly, the sand dunes they're they're very very tall. And then I believe that Sleeping Bear itself is not actually the one that you're on top of, but it's it's off in the distance, and it looks like a bear that's sleeping, and that's where it gets its name. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so it's it's something that it's kind of like because there's there's pockets of islands out there as well too. And so I forget the exact name of the exact dune that you're on. But everybody, it's one of those things where everybody in Michigan just references. If you say you're going to Sleeping Bear, they know what you're talking about and they know where you're going to be standing and what you're looking at. And so you could just take it as that. So, but yeah, to go down it, the dunes themselves. So Sleeping Bear is in the distance. Sleeping Bear Dunes is the whole system of it. Yeah, it could take you about maybe 20 minutes to get to the bottom. You know, some people just, you see them, they go running down there. And then I you just sit there and you kind of watch and like you see when people they're really happy, they have a lot of fun, they're taking their pictures, then they start coming up and it's a lot of stopping hands on hips, a lot of crawling on your hands and knees and even really, I mean, fit fit fit. People struggle with it. And so if you are an individual who loves to hike, you know, the mountains, or, you know, do summit style hiking and up and down, I would say it's worth it as a personal challenge, because hiking on sand dunes is a lot different than hiking on firm ground, you know, every Step forward is a couple inch slide back. It's really different with your, you know, your legs and like it's it's rocky. The sand itself is the soft sand that you think at a beach has kind of been pushed to the side because of how many people have gone up and down. So it is a little bit rockier. And so if you're going barefoot. You know, you got to be prepared for that. And if you're wearing shoes, they're going to get full of sand, too. So but it's it's cool. And I know some people that have gone every year and they go down and they come up and then you got people like me who I'm good with the view. You know what I mean? I can watch. I don't need to prove it to me. But if you want to prove it to yourself, by all means, come join us. You know,
0: we've been talking
1: uh, about water, Anthony. And here in the Pacific Northwest,
0: we have, you know, some great glacial alpine lakes that Never get warm, not even on the hottest day of the, the summer. How is the Great Lakes water temperature in the summer? Like, can you actively swim in, in the Great Lakes or is it pretty cold throughout the year?
1: No, you can you can actively swim in the summer. So, lake, lake Superior is the biggest, and it stays pretty chilly. I mean, you're thinking probably like 60s, maybe even into the 50s. Lake Michigan itself last summer, this not this past summer, but last year, summer of 22, I don't know what was happening, but that lake on our side was in the 70s every day. No kidding. Yeah, it was beautiful. And this summer, it was closer to being in the 60s every day. And so, you know, if you're closer to shore or a really hot day, it feels good. But I remember I, I jumped off a boat into the lake one day and I just I froze up. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm getting a little too old for it now. So it's, it's brisk, but it's not uncomfortable you can you can and the in the water turn so if you're if you're planning on visiting, or somebody comes to michigan you, you you have to check the you have to check the wave report um, that's a big one is lake michigan the great lakes are serious so check the wave report because they'll have flags up and i know some individuals might think that they're a great swimmer think that they could handle it but unfortunately every year there's individuals who brave the lake when they shouldn't be and unfortunately it doesn't it doesn't turn out and so check the wave report check the conditions and check the temperature before you go and know that it can change daily. Honestly, that's the thing about it. It could be beautiful, maybe seven degrees one day. A storm could come through, the lake could turn over, and that cold water could come up and come across, and then it's it's down into the 50s. So that's just kind of the reality of it. But, you know, Wisconsin side, Michigan side, every summer I've had the opportunity to go swimming in, in Lake Michigan. Swam in Lake Superior, and again, it's just, you know it's going to be cold, but it gets hot. And honestly, that's one of the things about our state is that you know, we're a climate oasis because of the Great Lakes lakes. And so, you know, I feel I was reading the summer about wet bulb temperatures and these, these terrible heat waves and, and a lot of the really hard parts of what's occurring with climate change. And I would say that we had a very moderate summer, a little bit cooler this summer, honestly, than last year. And so that impacted why the lake itself was cooler, Where last year it was a bit hotter, just warmer days, and the lake itself warmed up too. So it, it's, it's something that is It's there and you can swim in it, which is nice. It's when you're on it. All the things that you can do on an inland lake, anywhere that you, any listener that would think in their head, boating, fishing, kayaking, all those things, you can treat Lake Michigan like that. And that's really, really cool. All the great lakes, honestly.
0: You know, talking about water, Anthony, one of our favorite segments here on the podcast is doing a deep dive in our guest's Instagram, picking out a few pictures or maybe a picture that kind of captures our attention. And the ones that captured my attention was it looked like you were diving. Mm -hmm. in the great lakes Mm -hmm. can you share a little bit about that experience and what it's like
1: yeah so the great lakes actually have world-class shipwreck diving and so it's it's a lot like going into outer space so i i've been diving before down in the caribbean and around cozumel and you know the beautiful it's serene it's warm it's clear you can see forever in the tropical fish and you know you're kind of like swimming through an aquarium the great lakes it can be a little bit more ominous honestly, but it's a really, really a cool experience. And so, you know, some of the wrecks are less than a hundred feet and some of them are two, 300 feet down. You've got classic wooden schooners that look like the old vintage pirate ships. You've got modern, you know, tugboats and Lake Michigan freighters and, and all these things all around the lake. And so it's a challenge because the water is colder, you do need it is darker. So the visibility is a little bit less. And so you have to have specific training for it. So, if you were to travel to dive Lake Michigan, you wouldn't want it to be one of your very first dives, but it's definitely a destination to think, well, I want to go dive a coral reef. we'll come dive a, ra- a shipwreck in the Great Lakes. It's really, really cool. And fortunately for me and a lot of my friends who learn to dive around Lake Michigan, I think that it produced us as a level of divers so that when we go to, say, Cozumel, when it's warm and easy and clear, I'm like, oh, this is so much fun. Like, I just need a rash guard in my tank, you know, <laughs> like yeah. that's it. I don't need like this dry suit and this, the space suit and everything but you know it's it's funny too though cuz it is weightlessness with diving and so you when you're going into the great lakes it, it's a lot of gear and it's a lot of stuff and you look kind of goofy with everything you've got on but then you get underwater and you're floating you know you're buoyant and all that heavy stuff doesn't really really weigh you down as much so to speak so it's really cool i like it a lot you know i'd say anybody that's interested you know you could follow like i want to say underwater connection is one out of wisconsin their instagram if you want to just kind of like i think Jason Heaton he is a author out of Minneapolis he grew up in Milwaukee he talks a lot about scuba diving kind of adventure lifestyle big into wristwatches for anybody that's into wristwatches too but he dives in Lake Michigan a lot and he'll share pictures of it so those are a couple accounts just to kind of get a baseline of what it's actually like here but I'd, I'd recommend it and it's it's really fun it's really really cool just to go around all the shipwrecks and even the inland lakes so this summer I went to a couple inland lakes and the dive shops will just like one of them sank like a submarine and like an airplane and like a schooner and put some cannons on it you know we we really make sure that we can embrace the hobby even though we're not anywhere that has year-round diving like florida or california or the tropics
0: for for listeners please check out anthony's instagram because he has a couple pictures where he's at the helm of some of these sunken ships the one that really caught my attention anthony is you're going through i'm not sure what what type of planet was, but there's a little turtle hanging on this aquatic plant. Oh, uh, yeah. Order of the picture. (laughs) And if you're not paying attention, the turtle kind of blends in. But then once you spot it, it's like, wow. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, listeners, please go check out Anthony's Instagram and see some of those pictures. Now, Anthony, a lot of day hikers have regular routines that they do on hikes, whether it's packing a favorite snack or beverage maybe a moment of zen up at the top of their summit, or maybe it's grabbing some particular food on the way out. Is there any regular routines that you do when you reach your uh, final destination or maybe when you make it back out?
1: You know, I, my partner and I, we like to get, an avocado toast before we go (laughs) so we have a local coffee shop swing through get an avocado toast and that'll be fuel for the day right some good fat some good carbs just delicious all around and that usually just kind of puts us in the mood to get going but in terms of terms of real rituals outside of that i try to be really really mindful you know what i mean it's i I, there's the term forest bathing which is really moving slow and really being mindful and i know there's more to it than what i'm describing but you know i just kind of think of those concepts and being present and you know just You're in that space and you're not there for very long. You know, there's even memes and jokes about hiking or driving multiple hours to hike 30 minutes to see something and then turning around. So I think a good, hearty meal to kick you off, something fun, something that I don't eat every day. I don't get avocado toast often unless I'm doing this. And then just the mindfulness of the experience. And then if it's camping, I always like a big steak. After a good hike, <laughs> not going to lie, <laughs> but if it's uh, drive in, drive out, then, a, you know, after a good long hike, a nice afternoon in the hammock sounds pretty good. And then yeah. maybe grilling a steak, who knows, you know, so
0: I like those. Yeah. You know, seeing my friend Sarah bring her hammock on a couple of the hikes and just being able to set up a hammock and take a load off Mm -hmm. even if if it's 30 minutes off the summit is is something else now talking about specific items anthony you know one thing i always like to ask our guests is outside of the essential items that you do pack is there any luxury items that you tend to take frequently on your trips or on your hikes that kind of fall outside of the essentials
1: i will admit that i'm a tent camper and i usually camp in places where i can like go i haven't done any backpacking or whatever so it's like stationary camping hiking in an air mattress I, i i'm not rough and rugged i gotta i gotta have the air mattress for the for the night sleeping in terms of the hike itself i think that you know, I think that you should always have a, a pocket knife on you, but I use my luxury item would be the Leatherman Signal. Yeah. And so it's just, it's just like a, it's a Leatherman tool they built for the outdoors, and it has a whistle and a ferro rod and a saw and a, a knife with a straight and a serrated blade on it. And you know, this past summer I got really into kind of bushcraft, and so it's cool because it's just nice having a tool to enhance your hike where you know it has a whistle. So if like you get lost or something, it's it's right there you don't have to carry anything extra i got into finding do you know what fat wood is so no. pine trees so pine trees will you know, if they're dead or fallen or whatever, and you go up and there's a little small branches on it, if you cut that branch off, there'll be a lot of the sap still inside of that wood. And so then you strip it away around the edge and then it's really good for fire starting. And so some people sell it, you know, you make like shavings with it or chop it up or whatever, but the sap just acts as a fire extender, right? It's like, like kind of like a petroleum, like a chapstick or something that you could add to a cotton swab if you're into starting fires in a more traditional way without a lighter or if you do use a lighter as well so but just having something I'm like oh there's a fallen pine tree you know I can check and see if it might have some fat wood on it and just you know take a piece of that for the campfire later stuff like that and so I think that just having that nice multi-tool that allows you to do a ton of things I can just clip on you know my my backpack we're good to go and I will say that I am a camelback person I do love You know, I don't like carrying a water bottle with me. So I just do the whole camelback thing as well, too. And I know that I just talked about using a tool to take something from the forest So be mindful if you are looking into, you know, learning more about foraging or bushcraft or all these other things that, you know, that's an element of it when you hike is that like, oh, I want to go find fatwood. Where's like the right place to take fat wood from? You shouldn't be cutting from live trees and stuff like that. It's just something that's dead. But I just wanted to throw that in there so no one's like, He told me to chop down a tree. And I'm like, No, it's not
0: (laughs) 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 now, Anthony, you're a fellow podcaster. Can you share a little bit about your podcast and and the subject matter that you cover on yours?
1: Yeah, so my podcast is called Shore to Shore. It's through the Michigan Recreation and Park Association. And we talk with park and rec professionals. So if you think of your local town city municipality you live in our individuals even at your state dnr and some of the national parks and lakeshores as well we have conversations with them just about the program they're running the parks they manage uh, things of that nature but we also have conversations with park users in a format similar to this so um individuals who just are experiencing the parks and the outdoors in michigan and we want to know their side of things also so it's a really it's a cool podcast. It's if you're in the professional side of things, really anywhere in the outdoor recreation industry, if you're on the professional side of things, give it a listen. Or, you know, if you just want to kind of go through and hear from people or individuals that are more in this format of just somebody that likes to be outdoors, then there's episodes for that, too. So you can find it anywhere. You can find podcasts. We're, we're all over the place with it. So
0: right on. And we'll be sure to add it to the episode show notes so people can check it out, especially if, you, if you're thinking about visiting the great. great. Great Lakes area in 2024. Be sure to listen to some of those episodes that Anthony is publishing. Now, we're at the end of 2023, Anthony, and 2024 is just right around the corner. Do you have any upcoming hiking goals for the new year?
1: Yeah, so I do want to get more into backpacking. I do want to do the, the trail that we talked about earlier. It goes through a lot of state parks and you can hike in and then they have campsites set aside and then hike back out. So I want to get more into backpacking. I bought a kayak this summer. I really want to do a longer kayaking trip again, which we'll is kayak down the river, hop out camp and keep going. Would love to expand my bushcraft skills and learn more about just nature and outdoors. We, I don't know if anybody watches the show alone, but we had a guy from West Michigan who won the second season. He was up on Vancouver Island for yeah. 60, 70 days, you know, and then obviously I don't know. I mean like naked afraid it's funny, but I think some days it's like more <laughs> reality TV than it is survival of anything else. But just You know, I I grew up in the outdoors. And again, like to go back to the John Muir question, just, you know, seeing where somebody had an impact in that capacity and how it formed them, you know, I feel similar that connection to nature and the outdoors in the Great Lakes region. So the more time that I can spend, the more time that I can promote conservation and respect and, you know, the beauty and, and honestly, you know, I'm somebody who has been heavyset their whole life. And so, you know, there's that the whole body positivity and mental health and things that go into being out in nature. And it helps me with, you know, anxiety and things like that and just feeling welcome. And, you know, in some capacity, encouraging others to get out there as well, too, because it is for everyone. It You know, it belongs to all of us and we can do it in a respectful way and learn new skills. And I think the more we learn about things like bushcraft and just foraging and kind of that natural connection and other's learn it'll just build that culture of conservation so everything i do if you decide to follow me along it's in hopes that it inspires you to do it as well and maybe i'll catch you in michigan on the trails next year that'd be fantastic definitely
0: it's on my bucket list anthony to make it out there i think for the fall season just because the fall colors yeah. now throughout all your experiences kayaking boating hiking have you had any close calls whether mother nature caught you by surprise maybe it was an unexpected wildlife encounter or just some
1: trouble on the trail i've never seen a bear but i know that they're in the area but interestingly and this is just a show that this can happen anywhere so i was hiking in proud lake state park last week actually and it's it's outside metro detroit and i was just following the trail signs and going along going along but they didn't have they weren't marked the distance you know some they can tell you how far you're going and so you couldn't really gauge very well wasn't clearly marked how far the the distance was between one marker and the other And so I'm sure there was a scale on there that I missed. My friends listening from Proud Lake, I'm sure there's something I missed. This is an Anthony issue. Um, That's the story. You guys, nobody did anything wrong. I I messed up, but I got lost. And I remember I I was hiking and the trail got really narrow and it got a little rougher terrain. And I was thinking to myself, it went from being very wide and groomed down to being a lot more narrow and rustic. And I thought, I think I'm lost right now. And it was starting to rain. And I was like, I don't know where I'm at. And if I took a wrong turn, because this feels like it should have been a shorter distance. And I think maybe this is more of like a mountain biking Section than a hiking section, and this is just in a state park where the loop was maybe a few miles, right? And so I was like, "Well, I'm going to keep going, and I'll figure this out." And I was like, "You know, how much water do I have? Where am I at?" Like, you know, not not like a sense of danger, but just kind of like a sense of like anxiety came over me. And then eventually, I found the the, the trail marker, and I was like, "Oh, that was in my head." I was like, "That was a lot further than I was expecting." It goes to show that in a smaller area, you can still get lost. You know, you can still find yourself not quite knowing. And so I think just those principles of, you know, having the right map on you or just planning your route ahead of time, or, you know, my phone wasn't really working very well in this space. I couldn't really pull up all trails. Like maybe if I'd gone on all trails or another app similar ahead of time, or having the right, you know, like watch that can give you all that data. Even if you're somebody like me who's grown up a lot of time in the outdoors, done all these things very, very confident to feel that way at just a state park that's a few mile loop. You know, and, and it's just one of those things where it's like, that's how important those principles of planning ahead are, knowing where you're at, making sure you have the right water, making sure. And I was like, what if I get hurt out here? Like I could roll my ankle on this rock and I don't really have service and I don't exactly know 100% where I'm at. So it's even the best of us, wherever you're at, just the pre-planning is important. And sometimes that humbling reminder is what's needed. So that's something that just happened to me recently that I wanted to share.
0: Appreciate you sharing that, Anthony. Now, that was it, Anthony, for the regular questions. This last portion of the podcast is the this or that questions. I'm going to be giving you two hiking-related topics, and you just choose which one you personally prefer, but they're all hiking-related. So the first one is, do you prefer ascending or descending?
1: I like going up. I like the okay. challenge of going up. Coming down, it's you know it's a little bit harder on the knees, <laughs> feet kind of smashing in the front of your shoes if they're not laced, right? It's not like, I like going, I like heading up. Do you prefer waterfalls or summits? You know, I would probably say waterfalls right now, just because we don't really have a lot of summits outside the dunes, but even up and down the dunes, you're still in the woods, so hiking to a waterfall is pretty fun
0: and then another trail system question do you prefer switchbacks or just going straight
1: up take me straight up (laughs) i do enjoy a little bit of rock scrambling and a little bit of crawling so i'll go straight up
0: and then do you hike with
1: trek poles or are you freehand i'm kind of a mix i like one so i like one walking stick yeah yep, just in the middle
0: and this one is something that's been changing over the last couple years but when it comes to your footwear do you prefer trail runners or hiking boots?
1: I've only ever used hiking boots. I have not used trail runners, but I would like to check them out. So I can't really say I have a preference for either right now. But a good, you know, a good hiking boot, nice and wide with some arch support. I could go for a while with that.
0: And then another trail system question is, do you prefer a loop trail or a an mountain back trail?
1: I like a loop. So I like the, a change in scenery and topography and to take you in and around. Yeah, I like to look at new stuff the entire way if I can
0: and then especially in the summer month when you do come across the body of water either at the end of the trail or at the midway point do you jump in or do you stay dry
1: gotta jump in the best part. (laughs) Now,
0: this one's another tough one, but when it comes to viewpoints, especially in the summer months or even in the fall, do you prefer sunsets or sunrises? I am not a
1: morning person at all, so I will always (laughs) hike to a sunset. But tell me how the sunrise is. Take a picture and I'll look at it. I'm sure it's gorgeous.
0: (laughs) And, you know, one thing we didn't touch upon, but I know that the Great Lakes region is known for their spring wildflowers, but if you had to choose, would you choose spring wildflowers or the fall colors
1: oh that is a tough one i'll probably say fall colors i do love tulips especially in west michigan we have a big tulip festival but with october being my second favorite month outside of july go with the fall colors definitely and i like the spookiness of it you know the eeriness (laughs) it's a lot of fun and then the last one which
0: is the most decisive controversial one when it comes to social media Mm -hmm. do you tag
1: a hike or do you not tag a I usually just tag Michigan. So that's that's what, that's what where I'm at with it. Yeah, I would say that just Michigan in general, you know, if I feel compelled to be very specific, I might. It depends on what I'm really looking at. But in all honesty, if you follow a lot of my social media, I'm just in the state. And if you want to know, you can shoot me a DM and I'll share it. But I think that kind of goes back to You know, it's like like a lot of our natural landscape and places have had some challenges with the, the Instagram touch. And so I think that just by encouraging you to experience all of Michigan, you know, you might find something gorgeous or you might find something I've never seen before either. So share that with me. Let's look at different stuff together.
0: Well, that was it, Anthony, for the this or that questions. For folks that are listening that want to follow your hiking adventures and learn more about Michigan and the Great Lakes region, where can they find you on social media? And then can you share your podcast one more time with us?
1: So on Instagram, you can find me at Anthony in Parks. And you can also follow my blog, Anthony where I talk a lot about parks and recreation again at the intersection of personal and professional. If you are interested in careers or the professional side of things, the local, state, national parks and recreation, outdoor recreation, feel free to find me on LinkedIn. So Anthony Iraki, I-R-A-C-K-I. But well, that's Anthony and Parks and my podcast that I host with uh, Tina Nowakowski is my co-host for that show. So that is Shore to Shore. And again, anywhere you stream your shows, you can find Shore to Shore. Awesome,
0: Anthony. Do you have a specific day that your episodes drop?
1: We are typically when we're in season, we are bi-weekly on Wednesdays. So we're in the middle, but if this is going to go out in December, so we will be at the end of the season. But if you're going to listen to us in the spring, you can imagine probably late January through May, every other Wednesday. Thank
0: you so much, Anthony. And we'll be sure to add those all to the episode show notes so you can check out Anthony both on Instagram, his blog, and his Short Shore podcast. Well, thank you so much, Anthony, for joining us here on the podcast. It's been really great talking about Michigan In the Great Lakes region with you. Really appreciate it. And that brings us to the end of this episode alongside Anthony. We extend a heartfelt thanks to him for coming on the podcast. Make sure to stay connected and follow his upcoming adventures on Instagram at Anthony in Parks. Be sure to check out the episode show notes for links for Anthony's website and podcast. We have an incredible lineup of episodes planned throughout the fall, and we can't wait to share them with you. New episodes will be dropping every Monday with occasional bonus episodes on Fridays. To ensure you never miss out on those thrilling tales, remember to hit that like and subscribe button. Your support means the world to us. Don't forget to join our vibrant community on Instagram, at hikesandmikes. We'll be sharing episode visuals, my own personal hiking content, and so much more. Let's stay connected and continue to inspire each other on this remarkable journey. As we bid farewell, remember to tread those happy trails, embrace the great outdoors, and keep the spirit of adventure alive. Until next time, my fellow explorers, happy hiking. This episode's music was created by Ketza. Follow him on Instagram, at KetzaMusic. This episode is brought to you by Flip Socks. Whether you're on the trail, on the job, or in the yard, Flip Socks will keep Mother Nature out of your boots with their innovative nylon sleeve. You no longer need to worry about any annoying debris getting trapped in your boots during your hikes. Simply flip down the nylon sleeve over any boot to prevent Mother Nature from finding its way inside, keeping your feet comfortable all day long. To get your first pair, visit flipsockswithaz.com and enter promo code hikesmikes ten at checkout to receive 10% off your order. And for listeners who use the promo code at checkout, I'll be donating 100% of the season two promo code proceeds to big city mountaineers who provide transformative experiences through connections to nature that strengthen life skills and build community for youth and disinvested communities across the nation. So if you're tired of bits and pieces of the trail finding its way into your hiking boots, pick up a pair of flip socks today with the promo code HIKESMIKES10 to get 10% off for website and promo codes See the episode description.